I had a professor, and he and he took an interest in me. He he shook me up with a question. He said, "So what are you going to do when you graduate from Fisk, and what are you going to do with your life?" And me being as immature as I was at that time, I said, "I don't know. Maybe a job. Maybe maybe get married and and get a home with a white picket fence." And he said, "You know what? If you do that, that would be fine. But you will have cheated yourself." your family, your community, and God who gave you these abilities and skills to do more. And I said, whoa. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Red, and welcome to the Betting on Yourself podcast, where I interview successful entrepreneurs, athletes, and other top performers who rose to the top, took success into their own hands, and bet on themselves. Today, I'm talking with my dear friend, Kevin Poston, legendary sports agent, for over 30 years, sports marketing expert, named by Sports Illustrated as one of the most influential minorities in sports, and my beloved agent during my time in the NBA. In this episode, we talk about Kevin's extraordinary professional and personal life, his early failures that led to incredible success, our professional relationship and the NBA, the influence of his parents, his decision to go to law school, and his rise to becoming one of the greatest sports agents in the world. Kevin is a man who is full of hard-won experience and endless professional intelligence. He also cares. His passion and love for his family, his clients, and his work shines through his words. If you need an injection of practical wisdom, professional guts, and real love into your day, this is your episode. Here's my conversation with Kevin Poston. Kev, again, uh, this is a this is a treat for me. Um, I want to welcome you to the podcast for the first time, and uh, it's been a long time coming. Man, it's a treat for me, Mac. You know, y'all one of my favorites, man, of all time. I ain't talking about just basketball either, just people, period. I appreciate you, sir. I appreciate you. I, I mean, you go back uh, 21 years now, or even longer, maybe, 21 years? And it's been a long time, but uh, I appreciate it every moment and still do. Yes. So for all the listeners out there, Kevin has had a major impact on not only my career, but my life. And um, uh, I've met him when I decided to leave The Ohio State University to pursue my dream in the NBA. And um, for me, after spending some time with him, it was a no-brainer on who should be uh, representing me as a sports agent uh, while I played in the NBA. And, uh, but Kevin has been beyond just even a sports agent. And uh, uh, uncle, uh, big bruh, uh, great friend over the years. And uh, you know, as I get older, he gets smarter type of thing. <laughs> I take all that love <laughs> and more. Yes. Yes. Kevin is broke records and, and was a trailblazer uh, in the sports agent industry um, in a lot of ways. Um, and I want to hear more about that from, from you, Kevin today, but, uh, but thank you for being on and, and, and you know, the theme of the show. And I'll just start with the question that I always start with, with all my guests what has it meant for you or what is the meaning to you to bet on yourself? Well, you know, a lot of people live a life. You only have one to live that I know of. And it's all about finding your purpose and the will for your life. And I figured mine out um, technically just a, a number of years ago. I was living it, but I didn't understand it. And uh, mine was helping young people. You know, I'm also a lawyer. I'm also an agent. I'm also an author. I was a professor. I coach youth. It's always been about people and making a positive difference in life for me. And so when I think about my life, I think about how I can be a positive impact on others. And so that's what it's always been about for me. 
Was there a moment um, that you had to take a massive, massive belt on yourself? Yeah, I, uh, you know, coming out of high school, I did two things in high school. I, I played basketball and I liked girls. I wasn't a scholar. I didn't apply myself. And then that summer, I was 18 years old. I worked for General Motors. And uh, I worked for three days until they reported me. <laughs> and uh, I tell people that, um, you know, the whole city was down on me. I was supposed to be this kind of basketball star from my, from my hometown. Uh, which was a basketball city, uh, but I couldn't last but three days at General Motors in the plant. And so, uh, my story is: um, I knew that I knew the story, and I was set up uh, to be fired because I wasn't part of union. But nobody else knew it, and it was the first time I applied myself that summer, and I took my first real estate exam, and uh, you had to get seventy-five in the state of Michigan, and I got a seventy-three. But it was the first time I really studied. And uh, um, I now probably the only person you'll ever know that got fired by General Motors and later on represented them as legal counsel. So for me, it was uh, about proving myself. And then, of course, I took the exam, the real estate exam the next month and I passed with an 83. And so I became a real estate salesperson. And I just recognized that I could do anything that I could wanted to do. So in high school, I had a 2.6 grade point average. When I went to college, I had a 3.6, and then I went to law school, and I graduated fourth in my class. But I learned how to apply myself and to answer the question, what is my why? Mm-hmm. My why was to do the very best that I could at anything I could do. And since then, that time when I flunked that exam at 18, that's the last exam I've ever failed. Wow. We didn't I, know that, did you, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I mean, because whenever I talk to you, I get sage advice from you. Uh, all the time, but I know how brilliant you are, but I, I didn't know the origin of of your story like that in a sense. Yeah. You you just have to, you know, I was a late bloomer, but, but now, I mean, when I walk into negotiations or whatever I do, I own a lot of real estate stuff now. And, uh, but I never look at, you know, where you went to Harvard, Stanford or Michigan or wherever you went, Ohio State. It's my meeting. And so whatever the agenda says, I'm running it. And mm. uh, because of my blessings from God and the skills and abilities that he's given me, I do my thing, man. And I've had people like yourself. I mean, you know, you came uh, coming out of Ohio State as a junior. Um, you went in the second round. You know, it's funny because, you know, it was two um, guys like yourself that year that I represented. I don't know if you remember that, Mike. I do. Um, but that you, both of you guys had followers who were pastors, too. <laughs> and after the draft, um, I won't mention the other young man's name, but he's very talented well as well. And uh, you both went in the second round that year. And that young man said, uh, man, I, you know, I don't know if there's a God. And you said just the opposite. Kev, we're going to be all right. And I think you <laughs> ran the, the heels with Thunderbird uh, uh, that, at the time. I think that's his name. Lawrence Thunderbird. Yeah. Thunderbird, yeah. Yep. And you vomited. <laughs> and uh, you are the only, a lot of people know this. I don't know how much you talk about it, but I talk about it a lot. Me and you have been together when you got the minimum. And you also, we were been together when you got the maximum. And what I mean by that is you're the first second round in the NBA to ever get a max contract. So that's a certain, you know, I, I didn't shoot no shots for you, Michael. You did that all on your own. 
you know, I negotiated based upon where yep. you took me. <laughs> That's why I tell people, you got to take me there now. I'm a leverage negotiator. Unbelievable <laughs> ability and belief in yourself. Um, and you know, you know, you come to Detroit, and I remember that Pistons had uh, Prince and uh, Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups. I don't care who they put on you. You were getting your 40, 40 points, 30 <laughs> points. And, you know, there weren't too many weapons on Milwaukee at the time, but you <laughs> that I remember. <laughs> but it didn't make a difference. But you've always believed in yourself. And even from that day after the draft, you said, Kev, we're going to make it. And I yeah. remember that. Boy, you were right on, right on the nose. I think, I think the one thing about you is that you really believed in me, the person. Obviously, that I had to perform as a player, but I think you believed in me as a person. And and that did a lot for me than just our our business relationship and your ability to care for people. Did that come from your mom and dad, and your family dynamic growing up and, and living in Saginaw? Absolutely. It, it wasn't about living in Saginaw so much. I think they would have done it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my father uh, was the greatest man I've ever met. And it's really nobody's even come close. Um, I used to watch him, you know, or hear about him driving blind people around during the middle of the day and, and him looking outside and telling what he saw his friends. Um, and he would ha- handle criminal cases. And as a little boy, I just watched him and I watched how he, you know, he made me go out in the garden and, and plant. And, you know, we, we dug a pool and he taught me how to work. And he, when he was just an honest man, but he treated everybody the same, whether you had a degree or didn't have a degree, whether you were a hobo or the president, everybody was the same. And uh, so he treated people right. And that's called integrity. He did the right thing. And if you didn't do right, you know, you got your butt whooped. You got a spanking. And, uh, but, but you knew it. You just didn't get whooped to be getting whooped. And, and then my mother was just my heart. She did everything. You know, she's the only one. A lot of people call me Kev now, but growing up, there's only two people to call me Kev. That was <laughs> my mother, my basketball coach in, in junior high school. And they called me Kev. It was just special. And, uh, uh, but they had a tremendous impact. You know, my mother went into real estate after raising four knucklehead boys. And uh, she became a multimillionaire. And I remember Century 21 knocking on her door, telling her, we want to buy your business, Mrs. Poston. My mother would say, it's not for sale. Why do I want, why do I want to sell this? And, and there's not a better business person that I've ever met in this world than my mother. And there's not a better person I've ever met in this world than my father. So powerful. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm the result of both of them. But as one pastor told me, he said, Kevin, they poured the Kool-Aid and you drank it. Everyone <laughs> doesn't drink it. <laughs> but I drink it, man. <laughs> and I'm, I, I think about him every day. And they've been gone now for seven, eight years, respectively. Wow. I know how much you revered your parents and had such an impact on your life. And 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 talk about the decision to to become a lawyer and to go into law. Well, when I was uh, in college, uh, I had a professor and he and he took an interest in me. He he shook me up with a question. He said, uh, so what are you going to do when you graduate from Fisk and what are you going to do with your life? And me being as immature as I was at that time, I said, I don't know. Maybe a job, maybe maybe get married and, and get a home with a white picket fence. And he said, you know what? If you do that, that would be fine. But you will have cheated yourself, your family, your community, 
and God who gave you these abilities and skills to do more. And I said, whoa. You know, I always said as a youngster, because I saw my father as a criminal lawyer, and he was, to me, the top criminal lawyer in the city. And I think a lot of people would tell you that. If you got in trouble, you go see him. Um, I said, I was around when they called four or five in the morning, get their son out of jail and stop somebody from committing suicide. My father wouldn't get paid. And I watched it. And so I used to tell every girlfriend at the time that would listen, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I know what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, But when I got to college and I met that professor and then I had left, uh, got a full ride to Purdue's business school. And Michael, I couldn't stand it. There was a lot of reasons why I couldn't stand. Nothing was wrong with the the work. It was just that I knew that that was just getting an MBA as opposed to a business degree. I just got $10,000 more. It's not what I wanted to do with my life. I had always seen my parents own their own businesses. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to be a lawyer. And so that's when I met my wife, Kathy, who you know very well. And I yes. told her, I said, you would marry, I would marry you after my second year of law school, but I'm leaving and I want to go to law school. She says, okay. And then uh, I went to law school and the first day that the, the dean said, look to the left, look to the right. Next semester, somebody ain't going to be here. <laughs> it's law school. It's not undergrad. And I called, we didn't have cell phones back then. I called my fiance at the time, Kathy, and we were in a, in a phone booth and she said, you can do it. And because uh, I was questioning, I said, man, I drove all the way down from Michigan to Houston, Texas, and put all my stuff in the car, didn't have a place to stay. But I, of course, hung in there and I did it, graduated top. And I remember after that second year, I tried to talk her into not marrying me. And uh, because I didn't have no money, Mike, I graduated, I had passed the bar. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she said, do you love me? And I said, of course I do. I mean, of course, I mean, I, I did, and I wouldn't say nothing different at the time. She put me right up on it. And then the second thing, she said, are you going to be successful? Well, you know me, Mike. I believe in myself, too. I said, oh, hell yes. Maybe I should say heaven, yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, she said, well, what's your problem then? <laughs> and I was like, wow, she out-negotiated me. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up getting married, man, but I didn't have a dime in my pocket. I hadn't passed the bar. And at that same time, my law school was in Jet Magazine for having low bar passage rate in the country. And so I had to go from Texas to Michigan and pass the bar on the first try, which I did. And uh, the rest is kind of history. Went to a big firm. I went to another firm that made me partner. I started representing professional athletes. I did the Palace Auburn Hills where the Pistons used to play. And uh, I left and been, been at this desk working ever since. Wow. Is it safe to say, like, that PSP at one time, I think negotiated over a billion dollars worth of contracts. Absolutely, we um, we were very successful. But again, we could not have done it without people like yourself. You know, people have to believe in you. People got to get it. Um, I've always known I could do um, these things. You know, you can be the best negotiator in the world, but if you don't have nothing to negotiate. You can be the best shooter in the world, but if you don't have the ball in your hands, yeah, <laughs> you don't mean right. all. So you guys gave us that opportunity. You know, we were doing record deals all over the place. Of course, you were a record deal getting the first max contract, which today would probably be almost three hundred million, Mike. Please don't tell me that. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it was only it was ninety one or something like that at the time. But I know, I know, I know. Up. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. TV contracts constantly go up. Correct. Correct. 
but uh right. you know it, it's we we did a lot of things i mean as you know penny became the first uh nike point guard to get his own shoe yeah and yeah. you got a max penny got a max robert already got an unbelievable deal and then you know charles woodson's in the hall this year ty made it yeah. last before that was orlando pace all you guys gave us opportunities and there were many more um but uh you know when they say equal opportunity under the 14th amendment and i'm a <laughs> constitutional guy you have to have the opportunity to to do whatever it is god has uh, for you to do so did you foresee this kevin when you when you made the decision to be an entrepreneur and, and start your own business obviously with carl your brother did you foresee this? You've negotiated over a billion dollars with the contracts. That, that's 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 remarkable. A lot of money, man. And and I and I actually did the calculation. I did all your contracts and yeah. I and I added them up, and it was over a billion dollars. Wow! I wouldn't say it otherwise because I'm an integrity guy. Sure, sure. And did I foresee it? No, but I've always believed in God. And of course, over the years, I've gotten stronger with my relationship with God, which to me, you know, I tell people. You know, God is the creator. Uh, that means you create something from nothing. Uh, we we are makers. We make babies. We make Kool-Aid. You take two or more ingredients. But the creator uh, is the source. We may be a resource, but he's the ultimate source. So, and people have questioned me, and they still do over the years. But when it comes to that, I have no shame. I'm a, God is the architect of my life. I don't want your ties. I'm not a pastor even though I am going to officiate my daughter's wedding, but only that. And uh, um, I've always been that way, Mike. If I've always believed, because I've always known there was something greater than me. I've always known it. And as I've gotten older, and hopefully knock on wood more wiser, I know that's so true. He's always been there for me. Now, I didn't always understand it, and it never happens when I want it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it always happens. So yeah. good. So good. No, it's, it's, I, I remember, you know, me and you both praying a lot uh, after my second year in the NBA. And uh, the, the Bucks came to us and said, we're going to give Mike a six year, $6 million contract. And <laughs> yeah, you remember that summer? That I whole remember, that long summer? No, I, I remember our conversations. I remember. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you, you were a restricted free agent. Yeah. Not restricted, which means they right. have a right to match. And Ernie right. Grunfield came over to my office and you were like, man, I'm going to get this big house. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I mean, you had a plan. And I said, Mike, <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to do that. This business, man. Yeah. And, and and that's when me and Mark Cuban got on the phone and talked and set up a, uh, a offer that was hard for the Bucks to match. In fact, they didn't want to match it. And Ernie Grunfield called and said, Kevin, we want you to change the offer. I said, no way. Let us go. And so he, they end up matching it. But then after that contract, I think that was a two-year deal, actually. And, and four-year. Four-year. Four-year option. Yeah. You became unrestricted. Right. Once you become unrestricted, anybody can get you. We flew to Cleveland. You know the rest. Yep. Ron wanted you. Yep. He had a video out uh, showing that. And it was um, uh, We was hitting golf balls in the water. Right. It was a gentleman. <laughs> yeah. I remember it, Mike. And they offered you, I think uh, – Larry Hughes was just signing for $66 million. Yeah. And they offered yeah. you 66 And I said, is it the max? I said, okay, we can give you this. If you don't take this. And I said, well, if you don't give us the max. And then we were driving back from the airport. Yeah. Got a call from <laughs> Milwaukee. And he was talking how much he wanted you. And I said, well, that, you know, 
are you going to give them the max? That's all I want to hear. And they said, they're going to give us the max. And I hung up with them and called you and you were like, yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> you gave me one of them talks, Mike. And I was like, Mike, <laughs> giving you the max, man. And, you know, the, you know, we showed up and you, I still got him off. And so I'm looking at it now. You in your white suit. Yep. And yep. Uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful. But I think this is, is so you were so key because you gave life advice right at the time, too, for me. Don't get the big house and don't, you know, and like like you had the acumen that you infused into us who are young and getting money, uh, a large amount of money at a young age. We needed that wisdom to guide us along the way uh, beyond just being a negotiator for us. I think you guided our lives well uh, in a way, too. You're, you're right. That's the only way I could do it, Mike, because that's how I was raised. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times in, this, in the agency business, the, the agents tell you what you want to hear. Right. As opposed to what you need to know. Uh, and, and a lot of times they're not the same. And because I remember, you know, you made your money and you were going to build that house, which you probably live in now. And it's going to be 25 million square feet, 25,000 square feet. And I was like, Mike, it's only you and your girl. Right. And I was your wife. <laughs> You didn't have a little Mike and Grace. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and then, you know, we hooked it all up. I had you look at some places here. Yep. We flew in. Yep. And, and I think it ended up being a, still a very big, beautiful home, but not 25. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and now I think you think about, you know, selling that or if you haven't I've done so already. But you got to grow in life, man. And, you know, I didn't care what kind of house you got. I was just trying to look out for your best interests. That's right. Which is right. what I've always done, and and you know, and and you said it once, you know, you said, "Kev, we don't agree on everything." Because I tried to talk you into doing some things, and you said, "No, no, this is my religious beliefs." I said, "Okay, well, okay, I got to respect that," and and I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not going to break it up on the air unless you want to break it up. On my- no, 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 no. But there's a number of things that we we talked about, you know, over. Yeah. You know, that time frame. And and again, I just, I just so appreciate you being in my life beyond just being transactional. And I, I want to ask you with that, how has the industry changed from then when you first started to now? Well, I think, you know, when I got in and was representing you, you're right. I was like a big brother and uncle. Now I'm the godfather. Yep. Okay. And so they look at me different. You know, I don't go to the club with I could go to the club if you guys wanted to go to the club. I wasn't doing anything, but I could at least go in there and look and make sure nothing was going on. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I, I can't even go now. Okay. Right. Uh, or I won't go. I can't go, but I won't go. Today's uh, young athlete, and it's not just the athlete, it's just everybody. I call them microwave babies. They want everything fast in a hurry because it, the life is that way. I mean, Instagram, social media, you know, before, you know, back in the day day, you know, you got a busy signal. Ain't no busy signal now. <laughs> you can, if you don't, if they don't pick up, you can text them. <laughs> and if they yeah. don't respond to your text, you know, you can uh, direct message them. I mean, you can get, or you can say something on Facebook or Instagram. And, and that's why people fight on Instagram and have beefs because people used to listen. Now people just reply. Okay. Mm. Now, it's not just the agency business. It's life period. It's, that's what Donald Trump was to me. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell you what he felt. He wasn't listening to what you're going to say. He said, this is boom. I'm replying. And, mm-hmm. and everyone's kind of caught on to that. Now, that doesn't mean that's negative, even though there's some negative and there's some positive. 
But, you know, when you put it in the microwave, it's not, it's hot, but doesn't mean it's cooked thoroughly. Mm. And you talk to anybody who, who's a, a chef, they don't microwave much. They, they let it slow cook in the oven if you really want to taste. And so the athletes are different today. Um, but if you're going to be successful in business, you have to make adjustments. It's just like, it's just like a basketball game. You know, you come out, you play. If you don't make adjustments at halftime, and the real good coaches make adjustments on the fly, okay, not just halftime, but you got to make adjustments to win the game. And so that's what we've done. Um, I work with my son now, who's the president, my youngest yeah. son. And we're excited about a lot of things. And, uh, you know, it's a privilege for me to look at someone like you because the hard thing about being a professional athlete when you're a professional athlete, at least in my opinion, you get on Fantasy Island. You get more cousins. You get more girlfriends. You know, you got more money. <laughs> but then when you retire, you got to get back on reality. Island. Yep. And the adjustment is unbelievable. You're used to people cheering, but now they may not even remember your name. That's right. You know, so if you don't, if you don't have a humility about yourself, you get caught up. And that's why a lot of guys... Uh, after they play professional sports, there's a serious depression and people go to, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people have a tough time. And yeah. you, know, you know that, you know, these players, you yes. in the locker room with, but it's the humility. And I always tell people like the Eagle, the Eagle is great. He has a regalness about him. He has an Eagle eye. He flies above the other birds. And when it comes on the ground, he's not like the pigeon. The pigeons all get in the group and gossip. Watch the birds. You never see a group of eagles on the ground talking. The mm. eagles have a greatness about them, but they're, they're humble. They're not pompous. And so they're just like God. That's why the, you know, the eagle is talked about in the Bible a lot. He's humble and great at the same time. Mm. And that's who you were, my man. You were humble, man. That's why we still had a relationship. Because if you were a jerk, Mike, we would have had this relationship. <laughs> you, now, we may, I may have represented you during your career. But now that you're a grown man, you know, I mean, you're a grown man then, but now that you're you an old yeah. kid, you got your own business, you got your, you're winning and losing out here like everybody else. Yeah. If you told me all your investments did well, I was like, okay, Mike, you're lying. Right. Because nobody wins all the time. That's right. Muhammad Ali is the greatest. He didn't win all the time. You just want to win more times than you lose. That's right. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, when you put life in perspective like that, and balance it and you're humble and i always tell people i'm like a blade of grass in the pasture i can get mowed down tomorrow. so i'm very humble about who i am and i'll speak to anybody and, and, and respect people but now if you come the wrong way to me i draw my line in the sand i have a rejection session mm. you know toxic people i will push my delete button and if you're family <laughs> and toxic i will limit and restrict you yeah my excess Okay. And that just comes from living, man. So, you know, because people come at you all kind of ways. I mean, I know they come at you. You know, I don't have the money you got, but guess what? They looked at me as a star because I was in the paper too. I was on TV too. Not like you. So you got to know how to say no. Just do it in a nice way. How was your life? That's a good, that's a good question. Like, how was your life at that point? Because you were featured in Bloomberg, Sports Illustrated. I mean, all the publications. How was that? For you, it was tough. I mean, my hometown. I had I had a stalker. Almost mm-hmm. didn't impact my reunion, but then I said, you know how you know I'm not going to let you run my life. I'm going to run my life. It's my life. 
Um, and I've had to tell people no. And sometimes yeah. I was never mean, but I sent you a message. I'm not to be played with. And, you know, the devil, is, devil, the devil works out here, too. You know, and you got to let the devil know. Sometimes you got to get get your put put your foot on his neck. And if you let him get up, you're going to be in trouble. So I keep mm-hmm. my foot on the devil's neck. And you know, I tell people knock on my door. So you can't knock on my door and say, you know, I like all of you all but Alex. I like all of you all but Garrison and Miles. I like yeah. all of you all but your wife, Kathy. Well, guess what? You don't get in. Right. I will not let anyone come in. That's right. And, and, and uh, I will not let put people let people put water on my fire. Because uh, that's why I have a fire for my kids, my family, those who I love, and of course God. Biggest achievement. Woo. I never look at it that way because God just continues blessing, man. Mm-hmm. I woke up the other morning. I wake up about 2.45, 3 o'clock, and then I go back to bed because I don't take sleep. I take a lot of naps. And I looked at my text messages and, and my emails. and I got a big check. From a, I didn't, you know, it's always good to get a big check and you don't even know it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> One of the properties I had refinanced, I didn't know it. You know, the biggest achievement probably is my kids, man. That, that's who I look at as my trophies in life. Yeah. And, you know, I pray for them. I pray for myself like I pray for my wife. But I pray for those three kids of mine. I call them my jewels, my, my warrior, my soldier, my princess. And, uh, you know, you name it and claim it. They ain't no MFs. They ain't no Bs. And, and so watching them live and grow, there's no bigger smile that comes on my face than seeing them. If that's an achievement. <laughs> yeah. And I know them all. And they're all in their 30s now, I think, right? Except for Miles. Everybody but Miles. Miles is, yep. Miles is 28. And Garrison's about to be 31 this summer. Love them all. Love them all. Man, I love they them love all. They love you. They remember babies. you. Babies. Little kids when we were... Oh man! Together, oh, man. growing up. That's one thing my father used to always say, Mike. He said, "I say, how you doing, pops?" Said, okay for an old man. He said, "Man, you come up with what with it yet?" And I said, "With what, pops?" He says, "That thing that can stop time." Because you 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 invent that, we all gonna make some money. <laughs> he always tell me that. Man. He always had a joke and a, a, and a and a smile, no matter what he was going through in court in life. He'd come home. How you doing there, bub? You good? And uh, now as an adult, I can only imagine what he went through as a criminal lawyer in one of the most crime-infested cities for his population in the United States of America. Mm. But it just shows you how he was able to place balance and perspective in life. Kevin, what's, what's, if any, biggest regret you have? Uh, I have some regrets. I don't know if I got the biggest one, um, a big one. You know, some people were close to me. I wish I had attended their funeral. But something was up at the time. I had to make tough decisions. I mean, leaders make tough decisions, Mike. Mm. And uh, mm. they don't always come out right. Okay? You know, we don't all know everything. The only one knows everything is God. That's right. And he's looking down at us saying, okay, I tell people every, every book of the Bible does two things. There's the presence of God and the test of your faith. I don't care who you, what book of the Bible you use, and you're going to see the presence of God and the test of somebody's faith. And so in life, as we get tested, I mean, God is in your life, the presence is there, we make decisions. Mm-hmm. And I always say the 4D determine how successful or, or fair you're going to be, your development. We never stay the same. We either get better or we get worse. Your discipline, all it takes is five seconds to blow your life. Okay. 
lack of discipline. Just look at your prisons. Determination. Everybody wants a, a, a nice uh, spouse or, or money, nice car, nice home. Who doesn't want that? Mm-hmm. But the last is decision-making ability. Uh, everybody doesn't make good decisions. And uh, so I practice my decisions all the time. I'm always working on myself. And I always, even when I look at a movie, I say, okay, well, if I was in that situation, what would I do? Someone just broke in my house. My mm-hmm. father told me once, he said, if anybody breaks in this house and I was hiding behind the hassock and I see him kill all of you all, what would you all want me to do tomorrow? Would you want me to revenge it and just go to prison for the rest of my life? Or step out and live the best life I can to create the legacy for this family. And I said, wow. Mm. So I don't know if I have a, a regret um, because everything has helped me. I mean, even mm-hmm. playing basketball, you know, it helped me in life. Did I become Michael Red? Did I go pro? No, I didn't. But if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have some of the toughness probably that I have now. The girls that shut the door in my face, I treat my wife better now because of that. <laughs> and I know that, you know, so I don't know if there's a regret that I have, uh, but, you know, it, it definitely hasn't been perfect, but I love living. And I, I know it's a privilege just to be here. I'm humbled and grateful every day of my life. And I, I know you're excited about the future with, with your children and what they're doing. Uh, I expect Garrison to be a, a Wall Street mogul the next couple of years. Um, Alex is doing her thing, getting ready to get married. Miles is president, running the, the company now. What would you tell your 16-year-old self, Kevin? Keep learning. You know, um, some people stop growing because they don't, you know, to learn, you have to listen. I've never seen someone learn running their mouth. Never seen it. And so I've always been a good listener. I was one of, of four boys, uh, and I was a third one. So I, I used to watch my older brothers make mistakes. And I was always at my father's hip trying to learn what it is to be a man. When I say man, I'm talking about a real man. I'm not talking about over 18 in the male. Just because you got muscles and a mustache does not make you a real man in my life. A real man means responsibility, accountability, reliability, and being loyal to something. Loyal mm. is a badge of honor. You've heard that, Mike. I yeah, talked yeah. about the creed back in the day. You know, uh, loyalty is a badge of honor unless portrayal has been conceived, in which event it becomes blind loyalty. And blind loyalty is based on foolishness. And I don't expect anyone to do foolishness. So, you know, my thing is just to continue listening and learning. And anytime you just say never, be careful. Be careful. Mm. The guy that said had a rule that anytime he saw a big dog, run. Well, then came a big dog called Lassie and he needed Lassie to help him. Mm. And uh, there's always exceptions to the rule. But you better have some rules and principles and morals to live by. You know, and, and as I told uh, the young man who's um, engaged to my daughter, I said, I really don't have a lot of advice for you right now, but this, treat her just like you would treat yourself. I've never seen someone hurt themselves intentionally. Love her. And love is an action. It's not a feeling. It's what you actually do in spite of how you might feel. So I'm still learning, Mike. That's the beauty of, beauty of life. And uh, I would just tell myself if I was a teenager, you know, be humble. Listen, try to understand someone else's situation, have empathy, 
You don't need to be no no chump. In fact, your dad said that. <laughs> no chump. You know, you know, you know, your dad, I'll never forget it. You gotta take no stuff from nobody. And he's right. But you 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 gotta know who you are. You gotta value who you are. You know, to me, success is threefold, Mike. Doing the very best you can. Okay. My son Garrison, you talked about him. He never would have been LeBron James because he's not six eight two forty. But LeBron James, I don't think it's gonna be him in the in the financial world either, even though he's doing great things. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a team. <laughs> and nothing's wrong with that. That's a good thing. Sure. But you know, at the end of the day, feeling good about yourself, doing the very best you can. And here's the last one. Doing the right thing. That's called integrity. Today mm-hmm. that's what's missing in this world. Everyone's being a follower. No one's being a leader. And a leader, like the wow. eagle, he creates his own path and he leads the path. He rarely follows in the pack, but when he does, is following another leader who's doing the right thing. Hmm. There's nothing to add to that, what you just said. Um, it's been an honor. And, and all the listeners, I hope you've enjoyed some of the words from Kevin today. I've been listening to those words for 20 years now. And uh, and uh, I so uh, appreciate you, Kevin. I love you, man. Our family loves you and appreciates you. And again, thank you for being on this podcast, man. <laughs> I just want to know who they have here. I mean, you could do pretty much anything you want to do, but you're still trying to do the right thing. I know you're not perfect. Nobody is. But uh, when I think about Michael Red, man, what an exceptional, special individual. And I'm just glad that you're a part of my life. I and mean, you're in my office here, man. I'll never take you down. Because I, the memories that you gave me and that we shared will always hold a special place in my heart. My man, my brother. Thanks, Kevin. Kevin said, you've got to make adjustments to win the game. I can't think of a better way to summarize his story than with that quote. This episode is full of gems like that from a real man that I know will inspire you to bet on yourself even the more. Thank you so much for coming to the show, Kevin. You can follow Kevin Poston on Instagram at Deal Sports. Thank you for listening. And until next time, I'm Michael Red. And remember, betting on yourself is the secret to your success.